see what we can find in it. I think it's a favourite because it helps me to be confident in who God is and who I am, especially when life is tough. It asks me a question. It asks me, where is God when life is tough, when things are difficult? And I would imagine that it's a question that most of us have asked at one time or another. When life throws us a real curveball, it can feel like God is nowhere to be found and we are just being left to struggle on our own. But Psalm 27 challenges that idea for me. The writer begins by posing a question. Verse 1, If I know that the Lord is my light, salvation, stronghold, then which do I follow? Faith in that or fear? It's interesting, isn't it? We often say that the opposite of faith is doubt. But this psalmist suggests that the opposite of faith is fear. It's all about where I put my trust. Do I put it in myself or do I put it in God? The one who is my strength, my light, ultimately, I suppose, my guide. It seems to me that this verse, this very first verse of this psalm, is primarily a reflection on the nearness of God to us as we journey through life trusting in him. The whole thing is a reflection on how God protects us and guards us even in the most difficult of times. And it suggests how we can practically seek God out when life is tough. Now, as you may know, the church in England was formed out of two different traditions. The first of this was the Roman Catholic tradition, which has informed much of what we do as a church today. Henry and his desperate need for an heir, and therefore all those wives. Um, He's the one who's brought us to this point of us sitting this evening in a Church of England church. But the other tradition is known as the Celtic tradition. And for me, that sometimes is a more helpful tradition in certain occasions. Why? Well, because it engages all our senses and it speaks to our emotions And it helps us to see how we can find God in the tangible things of life, in creation, in other people, in art, and so on. In the Celtic tradition, there is something called a thin place. Now, thin places are geographical locations, usually, where people might go in order to be closer to God. For some reason, that particular place seems to be a place where they can connect with God in a different way ancient monasteries, maybe the islands of Lindisfarne in Northumberland or Iona in Scotland, be the very top of a mountain maybe, or being by the sea can be for someone a thin place. And I think they're really important for us to find because they can help us to know that in reality the veil between physical, the physical world and the spiritual world is indeed very thin. I have two thin places. One of them is the convent at Kostok, just up the road. And the other one, actually, is any beach where there is sea that is rolling over stones and rocks. Those are places where I can find God very easily. Maybe you have your own thin place, a place where you know if you're there, you'll be able to connect with God somehow. Maybe it's a beach or a hill, maybe even a cemetery or a churchyard, somewhere in the countryside, 
just where you go and you'll find yourself immediately connected to God. Now, of course, it's not the place itself that's magical in any kind of sense or that is sacred in that kind of a way. It's, it's more to do with the emotions that being in that physical place stirs up in us once we're there. Somehow we can more easily know that God is closer to us than we might normally think. There are some passages from the Bible that act as reminders to us. They're perhaps, we could say, a literary thin place. And it may be that as we've used some of the Psalms today, you think, oh my goodness, that's really touched me. If you'd like a copy of Psalms and the New Testament as it happens, then there are some Gideon New Testaments and Psalms out in the vestibule for you to take on your way home. Um, And then you can reflect again, particularly on this Psalm 27. I think actually Psalm 27 probably is a good one to begin with because it is, for lots of people, a thin place that reminds us of just how close we are to God in the present moment. What does he say? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? My heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. All of these sentences remind us of the intimacy that we can share with God. But you can say to me, Sue, that's great. That's when life is good and well. All those things are straightforward. But what about when we're struggling? What about when we're experiencing turmoil and chaos in our lives? It's all very well speaking about being intimate with God when things are fine, but what about when life just feels really tough? Well, let me tell you, this psalm was written by King David when he was experiencing just such a time in his life. And the other verses in the psalm give us the sense that for him life was really struggling. Verse 2 says, The wicked advance against me to devour my flesh. Verse 3, an army besiege me, even though war break out against me. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Verse 12, false witnesses rise against me, spouting malicious accusations. They don't sound like someone who's got life in a rosy garden, do they? When he wrote this psalm, David was going through tough times. It seems as if everything around him was chaotic and he was being threatened physically, emotionally, spiritually. But even in the midst of his struggles, David knew that God was with him and that he would protect him. So this is a psalm actually of confidence, written even in the midst of life's most bitter struggles. So back to that question, how do we find God when life is tough? What do we need to do in order to rediscover our intimacy with him? Well, I think in verse 4, if you want to take a look at that, there are two pointers that this psalm gives us. The first thing is we need to focus on what we know about God, not how we feel about God. David writes, One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. 
There have been times in my life when I have felt really close to God. A few times, I suppose, in big worship events when there's been thousands of people all praising together. When I was ordained. When Andrew and I got married. But the reality, for me at least, is that I have lived with a sense of the absence of God far more than I've lived with a sense of the presence of God. When people I love have died, for instance. When I've been ill or I've watched others struggling. Through the sheer routine of everyday life, day in, day out, much of the same. When the plans I've made for my life have not come to fruition. All these sorts of events, the difficult moments and the routines of life have been far more constant a companion to me than the spiritual highs of deep intimacy with God, the one who created me. So 95% of the time, I would dare to say, I have to remind myself that what I know about God is better than what I feel about God. If my faith relied on my feelings, then I'm not entirely sure my faith would ever grow. But I can look back and know, and sometimes in really random ways, that God has always been with me, just a footstep away. I can read the Bible and learn from the stories and the information I find in there, as well as from the conversations I have with other Christians. And then when times get tough for me, or even when I'm just consumed with boredom and routine, I can go back to what I know rather than what I feel. And I dare to suggest to you today that this is a spiritual discipline we all need to develop. But there's one thing more to say about this if we read verse 4 again. One thing I asked from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to seek him in his temple. For David, as he wrote this psalm, there was a direct link between holding firm with God in the midst of life's trials and regularly worshipping him. So when life is tough and all around us seems chaotic, the first lesson perhaps that we learn from this psalm is that we must rely on what we know about God rather than what we feel about God and that we absolutely must stay connected to worship, worshipping with a church family, because otherwise we spiritually will die. But as true as all that is, we remember that God has made us with emotions as well as rationality. And if we are to get through difficult times in life and stay connected to God, then we do need to engage our emotions as well as our mind. And that's the second point from verse 4 of this psalm. I want to suggest that we should pursue beauty in life and find God in there. David writes... To live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Beauty is such an important thing for us, isn't it? It feeds our souls. It enlivens our imaginations. So I don't know about you, but this time of the year, the autumn time, when the colours of the leaves are all changing and there's reds and golds and browns and still some different shades of green, the beauty of trees is amazing. And then the beauty of flowers, the tiny petals, the stamens in the middle. And then the colours that we see on birds. I don't know whether you've ever closely looked at a starling 
But starlings are beautiful birds. They might be pains in the neck, but they're beautiful birds when you look closely at the colours of their feathers. As emotional human beings, we can find God through beauty. It can make us feel whole as it engages our creativity. But of course, beauty will look different for all of us. What do they say? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But wherever you find beauty, I want to suggest you should pursue it. Because in beauty, you will find the face of God. And just as we need food to nourish our bodies, so we need beauty to nourish our souls. So much of our world contains violence and brutality today that surely we need to temper that with looking at the beautiful things that God has created. So when David wrote this psalm, as we said, he was going through a tough time. There was chaos and disorder in his world. He was in danger physically, emotionally and spiritually. And in the natural course of things, he didn't feel close to God. But he knew that he should proactively seek out two ways of filling his life to change that. He had to focus on what he knew about God rather than how he felt about God. And he had to pursue beauty and find that in that the face of God. Now, it wouldn't have been any easier for him to do that than it is for any of us as we are struggling in life. But for David, making the determined effort was worth it to preserve and strengthen his faith. And he recognised that this was a process. Knowing God close to him was going to take time and he was going to need patience. So what does he say in verse 14? (coughs) Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is David's challenge to us in this psalm, it seems to me, in the tough times of life that we travel through each day. So I want to say, can we, you and I, can we have his courage, David's courage, to learn to trust in what we know about God and pursue beauty to see him? Of course, that might mean that we need to get to know God better by learning more about him. And there's all sorts of ways we might do that. But if we do, it seems to me that then we can stand a chance of finding that closeness that is going to help us to travel through those tough times. So will you wait, be strong, and take heart today and tomorrow? Can we at least agree together tonight that we might try to do so? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for King David and his honesty and openness in this psalm that we have looked at this evening. We thank you that he encourages us That he strengthens us. And that because he does in his words, so we know that you do in our lives too. So we want to say, Lord, that we would like to be able to say with David that we remain confident that we will see your goodness in the land of the living, that we will indeed wait for you, be strong and take heart. Lord, in your mercy... 
hear our prayer.